This is a reading from Ezekiel 47. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold to the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah, which enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore. From Engedi to England, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So our teaching text, what's happening? Ezekiel, the prophet, is being shown around um, in this sort of vision space by a heavenly being wild experience. Um, And what he's being given a vision of is what Israel, which is currently in exile, basically the promises have been delayed. Things that they thought were going to be true about them have been suspended. They're in a place that they didn't anticipate being at. And they feel like, how are we going to go forward? And God gives Ezekiel this vision for what Israel will look like when it's restored. And he spends a lot of time going through. Ezekiel's like a challenging book to read because the, the, the prophetic visions that are described in there, um, they, they go into real poetic detail. So the last chapters before the one we come to here in Ezekiel 47 is he's been shown the temple and specifically the protections around God's presence. That basically Israel had been learning that God is holy, that he wants relationship with us and so his holiness is a problem. That you can't come flippantly into the presence of God, that, that we need the presence of God more than anything else. But if, if God's holy and we're not, there's a challenge to our intimacy. And so the temple is constructed to show that God's presence needs to be approached with reverence and awe and in and, and, and worship and with like a, a atonement for our sins and, and all those things. But then by Ezekiel 47, God's actually spilling out of the temple 
And this, this prophetic picture is that even though God is holy, he's also wildly gracious. It's kind of what the cross was about, that God's holiness and his mercy meet in the person of Jesus on the cross so that we can forever be welcomed in as his sons and daughters because of the gospel. And so Ezekiel is given this, this vision. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. Funny detail there that we'll talk about in just a second. The water goes a place that that Ezekiel can't, so he has to go around the wall. As the man went eastward, measuring with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then he led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and he led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river and I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, son of man, do you see this? Pause for one second. The Hebrew translation of that is actually way better than what the NIV does. Son of man, do you see this? The heavenly being says, human, you're staring that's what he says in the, in the Hebrew. <laughs> like Ezekiel's just dumbfounded at seeing this, this, this river grow into this unfordable like mammoth stream. And, and the heavenly being sort of like sly grunt on his face says, human, you're staring. And they keep moving. A river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees lining each side of the river. And then he said to me, the water flows toward the eastern region. And goes down into Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live live wherever the river flows. And there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So that where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from the Engedi to the Englaim. And there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow up on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will, their fruit, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. I just want to give you the most simple observations that you already know from just hearing that. One, the living water is from the presence of God. So simple, but Ezekiel's vision has just been showing that the presence of God resides in the temple. And now this stream of living water, which starts out small, don't despise small beginnings, is growing and growing and growing. And wherever this living water goes, it's bringing life. God's presence over and over again in the scriptures is, dis- is depicted as this fountain of living water. So the, this life-giving water issues from the presence of God. I know you saw that, but let's just point it out and think about it for a second together. The second thing is the path of the water is impossible. The water flows out of the temple, then it flows to the eastern gate of Jerusalem. And one interesting thing about the eastern gate of Jerusalem is that it's closed, <laughs> that it's walled up, that you can't go through it. And yet the, wall, the water goes, the living water goes through through the wall. It trickles then down uh, into, into a valley up over the Mount of Olives. It does things water doesn't do. 
Uh, it, it just goes in an impossible path. And so the vision is depicting the fact that God's presence, his living water, can break through any barrier, can come over any obstacle, can bring life to a- any place that it wants to. The path of the water is impossible, and, the, and wherever the water goes, it heals and gives life. Now, here's a like sort of biological reality. And so when you have fresh water and foul water comes into it, the fresh water becomes foul. It's not that you have foul water, fresh water comes into it and it all transforms to be fresh. And yes, that's what's happening here. It's like Jesus, when he heals someone, like you remember the stories of Jesus healing the lepers in the, in the New Testament? They would come up to him and these people were totally estranged and cut off from their community. They had a visible illness that was on their skin that made them have to be sort of separated outside of community. They weren't, they weren't able to go to the temple. They were ceremonial uncle, uh, ceremonially unclean. Jesus comes in contact with the lepers, which makes Jesus ceremonially unclean, and yet he doesn't do anything about it. He becomes ceremonially unclean when he encounters the lepers. Then he heals them, and then he tells them how to go and make sure they approach uh, the priests and get their ceremonial cleanliness back so that they can re-enter community. But Jesus never does. The fresh comes in contact with what is foul, and instead of the fresh being made foul, the fresh makes the foul fresh. How simple was that to understand? Living water flows into the Dead Sea and it heals and gives life. I want to tell you about one of the best showers I've ever had. No? Had a bathing suit on. And I was with a a, a Christian leadership trip to Israel and we got to go one evening to the Dead Sea. And we got down there, it was this bizarre experience where everyone is like by the water rubbing mud on themselves because of the like mineral properties that are good for facial masks. I did not do that. I just entered into the water. It was like bath water, got ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then just laid down. But not like you float in water, like laid down like you lay on a sofa. And I was floating perfectly. Literally, you just do this and you could move. You could like, I was like, I could cross this whole sea just like this. Um... And the sun was going down. I'm just laying out on this water and it was beautiful. And then like five minutes passed and my skin started to feel like, whoa, whoa. That's literally a theological word for how it felt. Like I was, like the saltiness, you know, when you're in the regular ocean, your lips get funny. Like it was like your whole body was puckering because of the salt content. It was awesome that I have to worry about sharks because nothing lives in the Dead Sea, but you also could not stay in the water long. And I got out and they had these perfect showers with perfect water pressure, no spout, and just rinse over and like feeling that just w- wash off. It was like healing waters running over you after you had been in this de- deathly salty water. And so I was remembering that, that it's impossible that anything could live in this lowest place on earth. And why is it the Dead Sea? Well, a number of reasons. It's this, it's this low spot on the earth. A river flows into it. The heat of the desert evaporates the water, but it has no outflow. And the same like the, any life that doesn't have an outflow that's just about receiving and not giving, it eventually dies. It dries up. Nothing can live there. And so the Dead Sea can't live. But then when this picture of the life-giving presence of God flows into the Dead Sea. The impossible happens, and it becomes this teeming, vibrant, full of fish river. And and the, the people are being nourished by it, and the trees are being nourished by it. And it reminds us of this picture of Jesus when he's with his disciples later. And they, they remember when they're fishing, and this, this story happens twice, hearkening back to this story and fulfilling the prophecy. <laughs> twice they're, they're fishing, and they don't catch anything. And Jesus says, throw your nets on the other side, and they can't pull the net into the boat. And there was literally, it makes this narrative detail, there was 153 fish 
the exact number of people groups that were known in the world at that time. The whole world is going to be a, a recipient of this living water and this grace, and it's going to be teeming. And there's a picture of these trees beside it, and it's just like Psalm 1, where it says someone who meditates and delights in the, in the word of God day and night, that person becomes like a tree planted by streams of water that gets nourishment from deep under the ground. Their life is sustained. They bear fruit in season. Their leaf never withers, and what they do prospers. And he's saying when, some, when your life drinks in this living water... Your life becomes like that and your community becomes like that. What's the vision for Trinity Grace Park Slope inside of this new transition for our, for our church as a whole? Living water. <laughs> to drink it, to swim in it, to take Jesus up on his promise that it will, that will, that will, it will flow from within us. I want to tell you about a, one, one time of a couple when Jesus yells. It was at the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 7. And they were celebrating the last day. And, and, and I just want to tell you this as, as an encouragement. In the middle of this transition, March 13th, I had the date saved because I posted the verse on Instagram. Thank you, Instagram. But it was right at the time we were going to have to break this news to the Trinity Grace pastors. And, and it was like, God, what are you doing in the midst of this? And I woke up with a phrase just pounding in my head on the last and greatest day of the feast. On the last and greatest day in the, of the feast. On the last and greatest day of the feast. And I said, where is that? Where is that? I looked. Google searched quickly. Oh, yeah, John 7. What's happening? On the last and greatest day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, there was the ceremony of the water. Where Israel and their faith leaders commemorated God's provision of water in the wilderness for them. And they would gather these stone, ba- stone water pots and they would bring them to the top of the temple and they would be silent and then they would pour out this water and it would run down the temple and it would be a reminder of the living water from Ezekiel, a reminder of the provision for God and his people in the wilderness, a reminder that no matter what the circumstances, God still has got them and he's going to care for them, he's going to make, make them a nourishing force of life in the world. And Jesus, who was all the time After he did a miracle and they wanted to make him king, he's scurrying away and slipping out of the crowds and not allowing the attention to come to him. And then he stands up on the last and greatest day of the feast when everyone would have been listening, when there was a moment of silence, and he shouts out this verse. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that point, the Spirit had not give, been given since Jesus had been glorified. Last week on Easter, we celebrated the glorification of Jesus on the cross and resurrection. We have his Holy Spirit. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink, and rivers of living water will flow from them. The Hebrew translation in Ezekiel 47 if, it, if like the moment hadn't passed where people get Hebrew things tattooed on them that mean something awesome, I would get because these waters tattooed on my body in Hebrew. <laughs> because it says because these waters, everything lives. Because these waters, lives come back. Because these waters, marriages are healed. Because these waters, de- deserts become oasis of, of, of life. Because of these waters, systemic brokenness in cities can be transformed. Because these waters, the addiction that you've wrestled with, water can wash over it, you can be, he- you can be healed. The anxiety that you've struggled with, the depression, the, the, the things that you think can never change. Right? The Dead Sea is always going to be the Dead Sea until it isn't. Because these waters, everything lives. 
And I want to tell you, church, we are an outpost of that reality in Brooklyn. And, and what changes? We're still an outpost of that in Brooklyn. We're still called to do the exact same things. We're, we're willing to restructure around our mission to be streams of living water and to flow into all parts of our city and borough, into all of our, of our lives to be nourished by this stream. And you know what? This is where we're headed. Here's how Revelation 22 puts it. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Quick pause. When Ezekiel saw this, that part's not in there. It just says the leaves were for healing. Because he, he knew that his nation needed healing right then. They were in exile. So that's just kind of as far as his vision goes. But this, this actual fuller picture is it's not just for Israel. This living water has spilled the banks of one people group. And every tribe, and t- all 153 fish are there. This leaves are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. One of the best sentences in the scriptures. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the, for, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Jesus, when he was taught, teaching those who followed him how to pray, he said, I want you to pray that heaven would be realized on earth, <laughs> that my will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is, what, this is the picture of heaven that we have, the future that we're headed to. So we're praying that the river of living lo- water would be flowing in our lives, would flow through our church, and would flow to our neighbors, and would flow to this borough, would flow to our city, would flow to our world. Because all of you know, right, the water trickling out of the temple at Pentecost When the Holy Spirit came because Jesus had died on the cross and resurrected, and he's giving his very life, every one of you become the temple. Every one of us becomes the dwelling place of God by his spirit, cleansed by Jesus' death on the cross, raised to new life by his his grace and mercy, and filled with his Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we have living water flowing in us like a spring. So, when I imagine the next 10, 20, 30 years of our church, that's the vision that stirs my heart. That I have seen many of your lives transformed. My own life has been wildly transformed by this river flowing in and bringing life where there was deadness. And that river is still going. We're still headed to Revelation 22. There is not, there, there has been some frustration and some questions and some God, what are you doing here type of things, but there is no doubt in my mind that God is leading us, that, our, our, that he's taking us into a good, beautiful future, and that this, is not a, this transition is not a surprise to him. And it's, 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 I, I honestly think, and I've had friends from, from Ireland to across the country sending me an encourage, encouragements that, that they really, truly believe, and I do as well, that our best days as a church are ahead of us, 100%. So I want to ask you to come along. I want to ask you to become a spring of living water in this place. I want to ask you to drink deeply and then to flow freely in the, in, the, in the spirit. We have a lot of growing to do. We're still young. We're still getting our legs. Are you thirsty? If you are, Jesus is saying, come to me and drink.
Come to me and drink. And pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its intricacies, its nuances, the multiple levels that it fulfills itself. It's power to give us a picture of our future and to understand our past in ways that we could not just on our own natural resources. Thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce down to the deepest level of our existence, in between our thoughts and intentions. I thank you for this picture of living water, strung throughout the scriptures. I pray that we could come to you and drink. I pray for Trinity Grace. I pray for each of these 11 parishes, Lord, that you would nourish them, that you would sustain them with your life, that the legacy of the first 10 years would be that we have these churches all across the city and they have tremendous opportunity facing all of them. God, would you show us how to partner, how to work together, how to love one another well, how to care for each other, how to go forward in faith. We don't rush past it. We thank you and bless you for what we've already received and we say more, more God. We have tasted and we have seen and we ask for more. Continue to heal us. Continue to to raise us to the fullness of abundant life that you've promised. I pray for us right now as we we take a few moments and listen to this song again. Would you speak, Holy Spirit, to each heart? Would you guide us in our response right now? Would you help us to know for us what it means to drink the living water? Those who believe in Jesus, who rest their hope in him. In Christ's name, amen.